VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 66th ever on show 14 of year two of All Around Sports. Each Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week, as well as discuss my event of the week that I attended, yesterday's opening of Patriots Training Camp. Also, in 15 minutes, we will be joined by Nick Fasulo of SB Nation, and in a half hour, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. Well, my highlight of the week is the simultaneous openings of the Olympics and NFL training camps, which gives us two weeks and 5,000 hours of Olympics coverage through NBC in the short term and the beginning of nonstop football for the next six months in the long term. Regarding the NFL, from Peyton Manning's feel-good return in Denver to Brother Eli's uh, spearheading the Giants' return in New York as defending Super Bowl champions, to the New York Jets' not-so-good arrival uh, in their camp with Darrell Rivas yet again looking for a new contract and the... Tim Tebow, Mark Sanchez, competition heating up on day one, also up in New York, and uh, ranging right up into Mike Wallace, the Pittsburgh Steelers receiver, uh, not showing up. We've got the good and the bad with NFL training camp, uh, but it's underway, and always, always interesting, to say the least, and... Hard to believe that tonight the Olympics get started with the opening ceremonies and uh, the next two weeks are just going to be awesome. Well, my low light of the week is Adam Scott choking away in Van Develdian fashion the British Open last Sunday with four bogeys on the last four holes, thus handing it to the very, very likable Ernie Els. I've never been a fan of a sports event being lost rather than won. And in this case, Scott totally appeared ready to take the next step in his career and win his first major. But when crunch time came, he crumbled in the moment, to say the least. 
It'll be interesting to see how Adam Scott reacts to this. Will he be uh, Rory McIlroy and win the very next major he plays in? Or will he simply uh, never recover and, and shrink to insignificance? Uh, it's going to be interesting to watch his career. He's been uh, nipping at the edges, becoming a great golfer, an elite golfer for the last couple of years. And uh, he had his moment on Sunday, but he just could not close the deal. My bizarre story of the week, no surprise, is the Penn State scandal and just all the countless story spokes spinning out of this situation. From Jerry Sandusky's chilling phone messages that were released yesterday and Franco Harris continuing to simply talk crazy to the Paterno statue being taken down last Sunday morning at sunrise and the ensuing raging debate over the NCAA sanctions. This story just gets more bizarre by the day, and there is still a long, long way to go. Regarding the NCAA sanctions, give the NCAA credit for at least stepping up and punishing Penn State. As you listeners know, I've been calling for the death penalty since the free report was released, and the debate will rage on as to whether the NCAA did enough with their sanctions. But... At minimum, the NCAA simply had to take action or risk becoming totally irrelevant forever. A potential unintended consequence of the NCAA action in allow is uh, in allowing college coaches to run amok in contacting Penn State players who are now free agents. As we've all heard, running back Silas Red has been visiting out in USC, and I guess he got a PowerPoint presentation. Uh, and contrast that with the 30 or so players who stood united to say they would stay at Penn State. The two spokespersons of that event were both the sons of former Penn State players. And uh, so, you know, it's all over the place, but uh, I just find it ironic that in an attempt to take, you know, the high moral road, this piece of the NCA sanction will potentially expose, you know, the sleazy underbelly of coaches going wild. You know, I'm not suggesting that Penn State should be receiving any breaks in all of this, but I do believe a better approach would simply have been for any player interested in leaving Penn State to simply tell Bill O'Brien, the new coach, who would then notify all the colleges that they could go ahead and contact that player, and then the free agency is on. My event of the week that I covered was the beginning of Patriots training camp yesterday before a record crowd of 12,000 people. I've been going to Patriots training camp 20 minutes from where I live for the last decade or so consistently, and before that I was going down to... Bryan College in Rhode Island, where they used to hold camp. And uh, yesterday was just simply amazing. The weather was shaky at best, looking like it was going to rain all day long. But yet 12,000 highly, highly energized fans turned out. It was fabulous. And contrast that with, uh, I found this shocking, with Denver having an apparent record crowd of its own to see Peyton Manning make his debut in training camp. And yet their number was apparently only 4,000 and Denver is football country as we well know. And 
I was just stunned that the Patriots would have three times as many fans at their opening day that Denver would have at their opening day with Peyton Manning making his debut nonetheless. I was right there when Tom Brady came walking on the field, and, uh, you know, it was a true moment. I mean, it was 12,000 people just going crazy, and it was just wonderful uh, to see um, Patriots, lots and lots of new players from Brandon Lloyd to uh, the new rookies they drafted, Dante Hightower and Chandler Jones, and so applause all around. At the end of the day, all the players signed autographs for all the fans uh, at the ropes surrounding the field. So it was just really uh, a feel-good kind of day, to put it mildly. And uh, and the proceedings kicked off with uh, Coach Bill Belichick uh, already in full season mode. Uh, he was not too talkative, and he was just all business as he opened training camp with a press conference, and here he was addressing the media with his opening statement at 1 o'clock Eastern time yesterday afternoon. Everybody had a good break. Uh, you know, we're uh, excited to get out on the field here today, you know, after the spring, and, and uh, the players, uh, you know, off a little bit, kind of that our players conditioning run and all that. So, uh, you know, we've had some guys here for as much as a week, other guys, uh, you know, Monday, you know, we're, we're excited to get back out on the field and see how things go. It's a long way to go. We'll just take one, one meeting one day at a time and uh, see where that takes us. We have a few players uh, that are in different uh, stages of rehabilitation, so we'll take those guys day to day. Most of the out there. And uh, you know, we've got a little roster movement here uh, over the last few days. And I'm sure there'll be a little bit more uh, in the days to come. We don't have a full roster right now. but. Uh, that opportunity comes up, we can find the right, the right guy to finish out the head or roster. Then we'll try to do that. So keep updated on that as it occurs. But right now, we're just you know, a couple players under the uh, So we got there, get started today. See where we're at. So, as I just stated, Belichick was all business yesterday. Uh, uh, after he delivered his opening address that you just heard, uh, he was asked about offensive guard, pro bowler, Brian Waters, longtime veteran that joined the Patriots last year from the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, and Brian Waters is not in camp, so uh, he, he was asked about that. And Belichick's answers throughout most of the Q&A were short. And uh, if there's one area of concern with the Patriots. I think it has to be the offensive line. As we all know, Matt Light retired and he was there for all three Super Bowl victories and has been uh, protecting Brady's blind side since the day Brady came in the league. And uh, so, you know, the status, Brian Waters is not in camp and uh, Sebastian Vollmer and uh, Logan Mankins were not participate in practice yesterday so there's you know there's an area that you got to watch out for because as we know the only way to stop Tom Brady is to pressure Tom Brady and that's where the offensive line comes into play but here was Belichick talking about the uh the readiness of his players as training camp begins we, we have players that are different stages of physical readiness for camp. some guys are ready to go 
guys aren't ready to go. Some guys can do some things and do everything. So we'll just take it on an individual basis and uh, take it day to day. And that may change from day to day. One thing the Patriots have done in the offseason is give Brady new additional targets, and they are literally just stockpiling tight ends. They already have uh, record-breaker Rob Gronkowski, a tight end, and uh, the summer of Gronk is over where he was uh, very visible and having a lot of fun, as, uh, as we all know, and Aaron Hernandez and just... Uh, Tight end is a serious position of strength, but yet they went ahead and signed Vishante Shanko from the Minnesota Vikings the other day, and here's what uh, Belichick had to say about Shanko. Yeah, it all plays out. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think that uh, Shanko's a good football player. He's had a good career. Uh, he's been playing well. Uh, I think he's a good football player. He's a big competitive player. And Belichick wrapped it up by simply talking about what it feels like to uh, on the very first day of training camp. We got off to a good start. Uh, it's a training camp, so it's all about fundamentals. Do a little things right, and build the base, and add on to it as we can. I don't know what exactly the rate that would be at, and on how it goes. How we do what we're, what we're ready to handle, but we've got, got a lot of challenges that we've got a lot of things that we need to cover and uh, take them on as hopefully we're ready for So there we go, Bill Belichick, all business, and the NFL is underway. And now, as my former co host, Lemont Williams from outside the huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be Nick Fasulo of SB Nation. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This Is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional, take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Kevin Lewis has been a student of the game his entire life, from Little League to the NFL. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on Voice America Sports. Hustling with K. Lewis. It's not where you start, it's how you finish. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 
or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line with us is Nick Fasulo of SB Nation. And Nick, how are you doing today? I'm well, John. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for joining the show. I know you've been on once before, and uh, nice to have you on again. You and I, of course, worked together at the... Uh, NCA Eastern Regional in March at the TD Garden, and uh, I know you're a hoops guy, and hard to believe the Olympics start tonight, which means uh, basketball. So, wanted to have you call in and get your thoughts on uh, on where you think it's going to go with the Olympic basketball team, both USA and overall. Yeah, I mean it's great. You know, since the original Dream Team in '92. It- you know, basketball in the United States has really perpetuated and inspired countries all over the world to uh, to play the game, and it's grown the game to a point where we as fans are really benefiting from seeing true competition from around the world. That makes these Olympics, you know, really exciting. I'm really looking forward to getting into watching these games, not just Team USA, but there's, you know, I could say you could go about eight, nine deep of teams that are intriguing to follow based on the talent that they have. Uh, whether it be just pure talent or players that are from that country, but you know, play stateside in college or in the pros. So there's there's every four years there's more familiar faces in these Olympic games, and we all benefit from that when uh, when we get to tune in. Absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> well, there was a lot of hubbub about the USA Spain game the other day. US uh, started a little slowly, but then. Uh, one handily in the end, but you know Spain looks really powerful. They obviously uh, have Paul Gasol and his brother Mark Gasol, who plays for Memphis. Uh, Mark did not play in the game the other day. They also have Serge Ibaka from uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, and uh, the good news for America is that they don't have Ricky Rubio because if they did, uh, I would give them a fighter's chance, a puncher's chance to give the USA all they could handle. Uh, but even without Rubio, I think they uh, present the, you know, the best challenge to the U.S. Yeah, Spain is, you know, they're number two ranked in the world behind the U.S. by FIBA. Uh, based on the injuries that Team USA has, they have no Dwight Howard, no Andrew Bynum, no Chris Bosh. You know, they're pretty depleted up front. And, you know, all things considered, Spain has the best front court in the Olympics right now. They have the Gasol brothers, who are two NBA studs, and they're going to be able to control the paint against Team USA because, you know, Kevin Love and Anthony Davis just aren't enough. Tyson Chandler isn't offensively sound enough to get these guys into foul trouble. You know, they're going to be able to go down the low block, you know, against anyone, but even against Team USA, you know, if and when they do match up, and they're going to have an advantage down there. And another thing that you have to be afraid of if you're a Team USA fan is, you know, Spain is a veteran group of players. They're savvy. You know, even without Rubio, um, Jose Calderon and Juan Carlos Navarro have played with each other on the international level for years. I mean, they're about as veteran a group as you can find um, at the Olympic level where, you know, sometimes you you see international teams struggle with – playing well together because they're not used to the competition of playing together. But Spain, Spain knows each other well. Um, these guys have played for together in years, 
and um, they're definitely the second best team in this tournament. And I think that you know they're primed to, if anyone, primed to upset Team USA if it comes down to it in a rematch for the gold medal game. That would be awesome. I, I clearly everybody expects that to happen. Uh, you know, but right off the bat in the U.S. men's pool is uh, Argentina, a traditional international power, and of course they have Manu Ginobili. Who's simply awesome, and uh, you know what, what do you expect out of Argentina? I think uh, it's this is their last stand. Argentina, they've sort of had a wave influx of players from their country playing the NBA, and those guys are starting to age, and they don't have a lot of youth in that country in their basketball program. So it's sort of like 2012 or bust for them. This is probably going to be Ginobili's last Olympics, probably Scola's last Olympics. Um, they have some other bit pieces that will help them out. But, you know, I think that if they don't medal in this Olympics, we won't see them medal for a while. They're going to have to get a whole new crop of players come in. Uh, but that being said, Ginobili is an incredible playmaker. Who knows what he could pull off in these Olympics? I, I sort of have a hunch that he's going to go on some sort of crazy run on the offensive end in this tournament and almost, I want to say, single-handedly give the Argentinians a chance to medal or at least threatened for a medal in these Olympics. Yes, I could absolutely see that. And another team in the same pool as the United States is uh, France. And France is led by, of course, uh, Tony Parker. When last seen, he was playing in the uh, elimination game uh, against the Oklahoma City Thunder. But frankly, in the first half of that game, he put on one of the best displays of point guard play that I have ever seen. I mean, I've followed him. I always knew he was good, but I had never seen him play at that level before. So uh, France, yet another team that, you know, knows how to play the international game. So, uh, so yeah, I think they could uh, pose some problems themselves for the U.S. Yeah, and, and a lot like Argentina, it's it may not be a last stand, but they have a lot to prove on these Olympics. They've missed the last two Olympics because of injuries during qualifying play, which is sort of amazing to think about considering they have Tony Parker and they have Nicholas Batoon and Ronnie Turioff, and they have a lot of well-known um, guys that have played in the NBA. They just, we haven't seen them on the Olympic stage in the last two years. So, again, sort of they're at that peak. They're at that apex with Parker as their leader. You know, I don't ex- expect him to be in the next Olympics, and if he is, he's going to be not nearly as effective as he is now, given his age. So this is sort of it for them. Joachim Noah is out. He will be injured. He's injured. He's not going to be playing in these Olympics. But, again, France is a pretty strong front court as well. They're physical with Boris Dia and Turioff down low. One thing I sort of struggle with them, and besides Parker, who's going to score for them, it's kind of up to Nicholas Batum. He's going to be their wing guy, their combo guard. He's going to have to get a lot of points, create his own shot, work with, with Parker um, on the perimeter. So I sort of find, I sort of lump them together with Argentina in terms of, you know, it's sort of a now or never type thing. I don't expect, we'll see a, a large roster turnover with them in four years. Um, Argentina is really going the way of they don't have a lot of youth. France does. They have a little bit of a stronger program, but Sort of an hour-never situation for them as well, um, and we'll see how Parker handles that. All right, and uh, Nick, are there any other teams uh, out there that could potentially 
pose a, a threat to the U.S. at all that you see, or any other uh, superstar players that uh, you know yeah, that catch I'm really your attention? Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how Brazil does. I think you know Team USA is going to win the gold. I think Spain will win the silver. I'm picking Brazil to win the bronze. Um, I really liked what I saw in that exhibition game they played against the U.S. Team USA a couple weeks ago. They're very crafty yet physical down low. They have those those real European type players with Anderson Verjao and Nene down low. They have a point guard who people that don't follow the international game probably haven't heard of, but Marcelo Huertes, um, he declared for the NBA draft in 2005. He wasn't selected. He he just simply doesn't have he's not physical enough to be able to play an 82 game season in the NBA. But he has the ball handling skills and passing abilities and creativity to run this show for the Brazilians. And he could be kind of one of these guys that just comes out of nowhere, if you, if you haven't heard from him, has an incredible Olympics and propels this team into medal contention. So if you want a name to latch on to that you haven't heard of, it's Marcelo Huertes, Brazil's point guard. I think if he can be effective, uh, Brazil can win a medal, and I'm picking them as sort of my surprise pick to, uh, to bring home the bronze. Um, a couple other teams I'm really interested in watching is Lithuania. They have, uh, remember, Jonas Valanciunas, the selection of the Raptors last year. I think he was the fifth pick. He will star for the Raptors, will hopefully star for the Raptors uh, this coming season. He was still overseas during the 2011-2012 season. He's a young stud. He could have a great Olympics. Lithuania, I think, is four years away. They may be replacing teams like Argentina and France in the 2016 Olympics as medal contenders. They're not quite there yet. They're young, but they have some studs, and you know you've always kind of heard of them on the on the international radar. Um, and the last team I'm keeping an eye on just because of the roster makeup is Nigeria. Now you may wonder, well, what kind of talent do they have? They have a lot of former college players who are either in the NBA or got drafted and now are overseas, but were effective in college. Remember the names Ike Diagu. Uh, from Arizona State, Al Farouk Amino yep. from Wake Forest, uh, Ebekwe from Maryland. These are guys that I think for the most part grew up in America, but because either their parents or grandparents are born and raised in Nigeria, they are eligible to play for that team. Now, they will not medal, uh, but there will be some familiar faces. So if you're a Wake Forest alum or a Maryland alum, uh, you're going to want to check out that team because it will be kind of fun to see some of your old favorite players uh, competing again on the Olympic stage. Well, great observations, Nick. Now I feel ready, more <laughs> ready than I did 15 minutes ago for uh, Olympic basketball. And, yeah, I mean, clearly the U.S. is obviously favored. I believe they will win the gold fairly handily, but yet you, they do have that potential Achilles heel with their uh, front court. I mean, Tyson Chandler is really their only true center mm-hmm. this side of Anthony Davis. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, that could really uh, present a problem, particularly against Spain. So uh, Yeah, another thing to look at, and it'll become a, more of a storyline after the Olympics, but could this be the final Olympics for Team USA using strictly pros? Um, there's been discussion of going back the more, to the more amateur route. Frankly, I'm not sure if that's the right idea, but I think you kind of got to take your hat off to these mega superstars of Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony for their commitment to Team USA basketball. I think in the culture we live in, in the way sports has gone, it'd be very easy 
for these types of players who have accomplished so much in the NBA and are focused more on the teams that they play for stateside than Team USA to really have the commitment that they have. I mean, I to be honest, I wasn't sure if a lot of these guys would come back after 2008 once they won the gold, but it seems like an all-hands-on-deck type approach, which I think is fantastic that Coach K and Jerry Colangelo have been able to cultivate that um, in this country. Um, I don't know how much longer we'll see that. It may go back to a more um, more college players that are competing at the Olympic level, but like I said at the beginning of the call, you know, the international game has gotten so well, has gotten so great, I don't even know if we could be able to compete sending our best 20- and 21-year-olds out against, you know, professional Spaniards and professional Frenchmen. But just something to keep an eye on. We'll probably hear more about that, you know, in the next couple of years after these Olympics. But, you know, hats off to these, these global superstars continuing to uh, be thrilled to don the Team USA jersey and want to compete for a gold medal. Well, I agree wholeheartedly. You know, the fact that, you know, the likes of LeBron and Kobe have already won gold medals, and to a certain degree, it's, you know, when you win one, you've accomplished a major goal. So when you rededicate yourself to win more, to me, it's even more impressive. But for my uh, purposes, the, the key to all of this is Coach K. I just believe that he is the big reason why, you know, these guys have come back to play for him one more time. He is, you know, a legend and the winningest basketball coach of all time now uh, in college basketball. And, you know, and Jerry Colangelo has done a great job in keeping, you know, in getting Coach K on board when the uh, the international team, the USA team, uh, was in trouble a few years back, as we all know. And, uh, and Coach K has already announced this is it. So, you know... Yeah, they've yeah. turned the, the culture where it's, it's not NBA players doing Team USA a favor. It's Team USA um, turning it into an honor for the, the best players in America to represent the country. And I think that it's, it's pretty neat. And like I said, the way sports is in 2012, it's not something that you should take for granted. And I think you know, there's a lot to commend for the guys that are that are willing to invest their summers in this, um, and risk and you know risk injury and and risk exhaustion and things of that nature. So um, very cool to see. Very proud to see these guys continue to want to play for Team USA. Absolutely, especially when you consider that you know I, NBA players in my mind would be kind of the least likely to be stepping up and doing this. Absolutely, yeah. You know, but yet they are the ones stepping up and doing it, and. Uh, you know, it's just sticking with basketball and the Olympics real quickly here. Uh, you know, I want to give a shout-out to the uh, women's USA team. Uh, as you know, I cover the Connecticut Sun on a regular basis. Uh, I'm a, a media credential holder for the entire season this year. I covered them last year, and they have two players on the USA team, which is uh, – of course, Tina Charles, who's just tearing it up this year, and uh, as well as Asia Jones. And, you know, just a couple weeks ago, I interviewed Sue Bird after uh, Seattle beat the sun down in Connecticut. And uh, bottom line, they are riding a record 33-game winning streak into this Olympics. And as favored as the men are to win the gold, that doesn't even come close to how favorite how big a favorite the USA women's basketball team is 
Yeah, I mean, they're, they're the odds-on favorite. I wouldn't expect them to lose a game, these Olympics. And just tracing back their lineage to UConn, how many, you probably know the answer, but how many UConn players are on this team? Is it three, four, maybe five? Uh, I think it's at least five. Uh, Gino Ariema, the Ariema coach, coach. So, is I mean, the Olympic coach. That's going to be a blast coach. for those guys, to come, for those women to come back and um, represent their country under their, their college coach. So probably a lot of fun being had uh, on, that, on that roster. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it, it's, you know, the middle of the WNBA season as we speak. So they've basically taken off a, a month or five weeks. They've stopped the season uh, a couple weeks ago, and they'll resume it again in mid to late August. But uh, for now, it's all about uh, the Olympics. And, yeah, I mean, they're going to be worth watching. Uh, I, I've grown to enjoy the WNBA game. Uh, the league is owned by the NBA, and it's it's a good product. But, uh, yeah, you know, Diana Taurasi, uh, you know, the list goes on and on. I mean, it's just, you know, quote, household names, as it were, uh, from the WNBA or making up this team. So, uh, again, 33-game winning streak. So it'll be interesting to watch them as well. Absolutely. Well, Nick... Once again, I just want to thank you for coming on. Like I said, I, I really feel uh, much more knowledgeable now about watching, uh, you know, the basketball in the Olympics. I think it's going to be great. I'm excited. And uh, let's all hope we get that Spain-USA gold medal game. I think it would be awesome. Yeah, let's hope for that. But, you know, just no need to flip over Lithuania and Nigeria if they play. There's plenty of talent in that sort of game as well, you know, which is great for the fans. You know, there's really a lot of stuff to follow, a lot of storylines to follow uh, for these basketball Olympics. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to it, and I imagine that a lot of other sports fans are as well. Yes, and as a final note, uh, I've noticed that there is uh, literally a channel, a U.S. Olympic, or not a U.S., just an Olympic basketball channel, which I guess means starting sometime today or very soon, uh, there will be basketball pretty much 24-7 for the next two weeks. There will. Uh, hats off <laughs> to technology. I think you can watch every soccer, every basketball, every team sport game from the prelims to the gold medal game will be carried live, uh, whether it be through cable or the Internet. So um, you have no excuse not to watch all of this stuff as it unfolds. Oh, it's going to be great. 5,000 hours of coverage. This Absolutely. is going to be awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, Nick, once again, thank you so much for calling in and enlightening all of us and uh, look forward to having you again on the show soon. All right. Thank you very much, John. Thank you, Nick. And with, uh, with that great information from Nick Fasulo of SB Nation, uh, it's time for our break. And joining us next will be our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. 
If you're looking for a radio show about boxing, you usually can't find one until you stop by the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to Outside the Ring with former world lightweight champion and U.S. Olympian David Diaz. We'll deliver the knockout punches with our guests as we go inside the minds of today's top fighters. We'll throw in discussion of other sports as well from time to time. Outside the Ring with David Diaz airs every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time noon pacific on the voice america sports channel tune in to a show about making a comeback and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond listen for the comeback radio show with tony farmer a lot of people believe what they read on the internet hear and see in the media and on the news we're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype It's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling, and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. Your Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is one 888 346-9144. And joining us now is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. And Barry, we just got a nice Olympic primer on basketball. And uh, why don't we just stick with that for a minute? And I'd love to just hear your thoughts uh, on the Olympics that unbelievably begin finally tonight. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, it's, it's so funny. You have all this build-up to the Olympics, build-up, build-up, and all of a sudden, oh, wait, here are the Olympics. They're here. Um, you know, it's it's always a grand spectacle, you know, once every four years, or now it's, you know, once every two years now that we have the winter and summer Olympics split up. But um, it'll be it'll be, it'll be be fun, and, you know, it'll be, uh, everything's going to be, a lot of things going to be on tape delay, so the dynamics will be a little different. You know, you won't really get to see things live so much, although... You know, uh, you're going to have so many different channels broadcasting the Olympics, so you'll, there'll be some of that. But I think a lot of the a lot of the main events will be on on uh, on tape delay. But uh, that said, you know, I, I think you know, as 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 has been uh, established already, I think you know the men's basketball is, is certainly a premier event. Um, certainly, the track events at Usain Bolt will be heavily watched. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of different things going on. And, you know, there'll be. He'll be at, and of course, Michael Phelps and Ryan Lochte in the in the swimming pool. So, and you know, what always happens too in the Olympics is that you always have these stories and these personalities that you don't you don't really know about, and so you don't, nobody's really familiar with until the Olympics come. And you know, you have somebody winning an event, and uh, you know, all of a sudden these people become household names. So you're gonna have a few of those too. So uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. It'll be it'll be interesting. There'll be a lot going on. You know, it's kind of a Kind of a crazy sports weekend uh, in New York, you know, as it is in New England too, because we have um, you know a lot of a lot of things going on. It's, it's almost like a if you I don't know if I really want to use the, start, the term perfect storm, but yeah, it is kind of like that because you know you do have the, the Olympics opening up. You have uh, both the Giants and Jets training camp opening up as the Patriots do as well. Um, you know, you have the you know uh, last night uh, 
Mets rookie Matt Harvey made his major league debut. Uh, he pitched brilliantly. He struck out uh, 11 over five plus innings. Um, and oh yeah, you got Yankees Red Sox. So you know it's. And I, I do think the you know, Yankees Red Sox maybe and we can probably talk about this more too. But you know it doesn't really seem to get the juice that it, that he usually does. You know mostly because the Yankees are kind of on cruise control. And the Red Sox have struggled mightily. So um, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's kind of a crazy. Crazy busy weekend uh, in New York as it is uh, as it is New England too. So, uh, but yeah, football kind of taking the taking the main stage. I think you know with the Jets and Giants opening up training camp. Well, I agree. And why don't we just jump right into football? Uh, you know, yesterday I was at the Patriots training camp, and uh, you know, lots of excitement. Twelve thousand people. A record crowd was there, and. Obviously, uh, I know it was impressive to say the least. It was very impressive, uh, and you know, obviously, Peyton Manning starting out in Denver is a huge story, maybe the story. But yet, you know, what everybody seems to be talking about, and what I already mentioned early in my show, is of course the New York Jets. It's not the Giants, not the defending Super Bowl champions. Not the Patriots, and really not the Broncos. I mean, it really is the Jets between Tebow and Sanchez and the competition already underway, obviously, and then Darrell Rivas, uh, you know, making uh, making noise about yet another new contract. And then we have Rex Ryan, and uh, he's already chirping away, and I, I think you have some uh, new comments from Rex. Hot off the well, presses. Yeah, I mean, the, the funny thing about Darrell Rivas is that he actually showed up to the first day of training camp, which everyone thought now that was kind of kind of an upset. Everybody thought he was going to hold out again as he usually does, but he didn't, and he showed up. But uh, you know, Rex uh, is kind of a new look Rex Ryan. I mean, he, uh, we might have mentioned this last week, but Rex has lost over a hundred pounds, looks great, says he feels great. Um, but you know, he's he, and you would think he would have learned his lesson uh, from last year about kind of shooting it all his mouth, and you know. Uh, you know, before the Jets played the Giants, you know, calling the Giants our little brothers and all that stuff. We all now know how that worked out. But right. uh, Rex is kind of at it again. Uh, he says that he's the best defensive coach in the NFL, which you know <laughs> might raise a few eyebrows. Uh, certainly in New England, I would think, uh, and along with some other places too. And he even mentioned Bill Belichick by name. He says, "Yo, Bill Belichick's a good coach, but you know, I believe that I'm the best defensive mind in the NFL, and you know, that's the way I've always believed, and that's the way I carry myself." and you know, listen, I mean, we've talked about this many times on the program. I mean, Rex talks a lot, and I think a lot of it is an effort to, uh, you know, kind of take pressure off the team and just kind of be a little bombastic, and he's always been that way. You know, I, I guess he's not going to change. You would think he would learn his lesson. I mean, you know, he keeps talking about how great the Giants are. I'm sorry, he keeps talking about how great the Jets are, and uh, all the Giants do is uh, win Super Bowls. So, you know, uh, you can talk all you want, but you got to back it up at some point. And, yeah, I, I kind of think for Rex, um, you know, this might be kind of like the put up or set up here, I would like to think, because, you know, he's, he's been doing this for quite some time. He's been, you know, uh, you know, kind of, kind of shooting off his mouth ever since he came to New York and started coaching the Jets. And meanwhile, you know, the, the Jets really have gotten a couple AFC championships, but they haven't really, you know, they've never taken it to that next level. And meanwhile, the, uh, the Giants are very, very businesslike, very, very uh, methodical. Uh, you know, they, they, They've shown that they they they've kind of they kind of own New York. You know, you win you know two Super Bowls in the past uh, four years. You know that uh, that that carries a lot of weight. Well, maybe a lot more weight than uh, than Rex Ryan has carried. Although he's uh, 
carries over 100 more pounds, but, you know, that's kind of a non-sequitur anyway. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think the whole point of that is, um, you know, I think at some point you have to back up what, back up the boasting, and if you're going to do that, then you, know, you have to make sure your team you know, raises its level and performs. And, and, of course, you know, on, besides that, you have the whole, you know, circus, which I'm sure will be all about Tim Tebow. And, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a crazy year for the Jets. So, uh, you know, they're kind of, kind of starting off right, right kind of where we expected them to. Yeah, well, you know, as far as Rex goes, he simply can't help himself. It's just that simple, and he'll never no, be able to help himself. No, I don't think he can himself. either. I, I agree with that. You know, yeah, I mean, that's just the guy he is. It's just who that's he is. who he is. And you know, the, you mentioned the Giants, and of course, you're working down there in New York at the New York Post. And uh, I really got a kick out of uh, OCU Minura's, uh diatribe with uh, with. RG3 saying that he was going to call Robert Griffin III, the Heisman Trophy winner, Bob Griffin. And because he hasn't earned uh, hasn't earned his NFL pedigree yet enough to be called RG3 or, for that matter, even Robert Griffin, he's going to call him Bob Griffin. But Human Yura, every once in a while, just rises up and has these interesting things to say, going back to the first Super Bowl with the Patriots. And uh, But I, I, you know... I liked his comments, and I, I liked RG3's response, and I just think that uh, it sets a nice tone for the NFC East, the best division in football. Oh, the NFC East, is, it, it, it's always fun every year. And, uh, yeah, I, I got a kick out of O.C.'s comments, too. Uh, you know, until he wins, his name is Bob. So, like, okay. Right. Um, but, yeah, it, 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 it's always, you know, you got, it's, I think this year's going to be great uh, in the NFC East, you know, because you got uh, you got four teams that all, that all Look pretty good. I mean, you got the defending Super Bowl champions. You got the Redskins, who obviously are excited about having uh, we can call them RG three. Um, and the right. Eagles were always competitive, and uh, and the Cowboys have a lot to prove. Uh, I think they have a lot to. You know, I think there's a uh, there's a lot of pressure on on Tony Romo this year, and a lot of pressure on the Cowboys to kind of raise their level too. So you know, I think you're I think it's going to be competitive all year. You're going to have those four teams kind of kicking the stuffing out of each other all year. We'll see who comes out of it. But, uh, yeah, I think the NFC East in particular is going to be a lot of fun this year. I agree. Oh, I think it's going to be fantastic. And uh, still lots more to talk about with uh, NFL training camps and beyond. But for now, let's take our break. And I know you're sticking around for us uh, with us on the other side, Barry. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you. 
every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America. Welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And back on the line with us is Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. And, Barry, we've touched on the Olympics and, of course, NFL training camps. But uh, lots of big doings in New York with the Yankees this week. Never a dull moment with that team, which is uh, why they're the Yankees. And I give them a lot of credit for it. Uh, A-Rod out for six to eight weeks with a broken... And, and the Yankees stunned the baseball world by signing Ichiro Suzuki. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and this is something we talk about on the show from time to time. You know, you always hear your know, trade rumors about, you know, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. But a lot of the time, the, the, the trades that actually do go down are ones you never even think are going to happen. I mean, I think, you know, the Yankees trading for Ichiro was, was a surprise, although we found out later that, uh, you know, Itro had asked to be traded. I mean, he's you know he's kind of getting up there in years, and you know he kind of felt that he wanted that he wanted a shot to try to try to win before uh, before he his skills you know really uh, declined to a point that uh, you know he's really no longer a useful player. We're not at that point yet, of course, with him. Um, but uh, it was interesting that you know the trade happened you know with the Yan- with conveniently with the Yankees in Seattle to play the Mariners. So you know here's. Ichiro, who's been a Mariner his entire, you know, big league career, uh, 11 plus years, um, you know, going to work that night, making, making, uh, I guess, a right turn instead of a left turn to go to the other clubhouse, uh, you know, to wear the uniform of the Evil Empire, and you know, to play for the Yankees against hometown Mariners, and it was quite an interesting scene the other night. Um, and you know, and, the, and to, to me, the most interesting about interesting thing about the whole uh, the whole affair, you know, first time up. Tries to stroke the singles in center field. Like, okay, let's just this is as usual. Pick up where I left off, and we'll we'll just do that. But uh, you know, uh, a lot of talk about the Yankees uh, needing some help out help out in left field. I mean, this all started with Brett Gardner's uh, uh, elbow injury uh, causing him to miss the rest of the season, and they were going to platoon Andrew Jones and Raul Abania in left field. And I guess the Yankees figured, you know, we have, we have a shot to go out and get a guy like Ichiro, you know. Uh, yeah, and you know, like 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 A Rod said, the, instead of Ichiro, you know, the guy's a rock star, and New York would be great for him. And Ichiro even said, "Hey, listen, I'm going from the team with the with the least wins to the team with the most wins. So it's, it's a win win for the Yankees, absolutely. And you know, uh, you know, even if his skills have declined, and you know, certainly they have. I mean, he's older now, but you know, you don't forget how to how, how to hit. You know, you, you 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 your skills." can go down, and his are, are a bit, but, you know, you don't forget how to be a professional hitter, and that's what he is. He's a professional hitter, I think he'll do well in New York. I think uh, the fans will enjoy watching him. And, you know, now that A-Rod's out for eight weeks, you know, there's also a school of thought that 
maybe that won't be as 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 painful for the Yankees, no pun intended, as it might be because, you know, A-Rod's skills are kind of declining. I mean, he's only bats 275, which, you know, that's very un-A-Rod-like. And, uh, you know, you're going to see probably Eric Chavez every day, and who's more than capable of, of picking up the slack, I think. You know, another professional hitter. I've always liked Eric Chavez. So, oh, yeah. you know, I, I think in the long run, I'm too, let's face it, I mean, the Yankees are, you know, kind of way out in front there in the AL East. So, you know, I don't think... I can't see them kind of coming back to the pack, and I can't see anybody else in that division. You know, even though the Orioles had a pretty good year, and you know the Red Sox have really struggled, as we, as we've mentioned. Um, you know, I think the Yankees are in pretty good shape for the postseason, and uh, bringing Etro role and solidify that. And I think a very, very interesting pickup among all the baseball moves this week. And I agree. Uh, never a dull moment with the Yankees, and. To that point, they are hosting the Red Sox. Uh, Yankees-Red Sox games just aren't what they used to be, and I fully expect the Yankees will put an end to the Red Sox misery this weekend down at Yankee Stadium. Uh, What do you see for that series? Yeah, I I, I would would tend to agree with that. I mean, there's just now that, you know, Dave Ortiz is on the DL now, and they're they're, they're just in such disarray, and, you know, I, I think... I think the honeymoon has been very. The Bobby V's honeymoon has been very short, and you know I think there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, tension there, and a lot of angst, uh, as there should be. And you know, the the, the the Red Sox Red Sox Nation is, you know, they've always kind of been very, um, you know, uh, there's always been a, a lot of martyrdom with Red Sox Nation over the years, uh, but you know that's kind of dissipated, you know, with them winning a couple championships over the past few years. And, you know, now that you've gotten to a point where you kind of raised the bar, you kind of expect more. Uh, they haven't really gotten it this year, and you know the way last year ended, you know, left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths uh, uh, at Fenway, and they just really haven't taken it to that to that next level this year. They've struggled mightily, a lot of injuries, of course, and uh, yeah, I just don't think Yankees Red Sox has has the juice that it normally does from a New York point of view either. I mean, the Yankees are so far ahead, and there's so many other things going on. Uh, in sports this week, as we've as we've duly noted, uh, in all the sports. So yeah, I, I I kind of think this might be the last the time we get excited about Yankees Red Sox this year. Well, I agree, and I heard an interesting stat this morning. Incredible, really. Uh, starting with last September first, when the Red Sox embarked on the worst collapse in baseball history, the Red Sox record since then. And we're talk, taking a sampling here of uh, five months, September, April, May, June, July, is the worst record in baseball. It's something like 30 and 50 or thereabouts. And uh, that's incredible, isn't it? The Red Sox yeah, have really- the worst record in baseball since September 1st of 2011. And uh, like I said, I think the Yankees are going to put them out of their misery once and for all. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, it, you know, it's funny when you think of bad teams in the in the major leagues. You don't you don't think of the Red Sox. You just don't. But uh, but yeah, they've, they've had a really tough time, and I, I just don't expect to get any better for them anytime soon. I think there's going to have to be a major uh, major retooling and a major kind of kind of kind of rethink as to as to how they're going to progress moving forward. Well, I agree. You know, and you know, I, I, you know, I was going to say that you know. Uh, a lot was made of the Kevin Euclid trade, but you know, when you when you trade a guy like Euclid, who 
is such a strong personality and is such a you know a, a big part of what the Red Sox have accomplished when they were winning World Series. You know that takes a big a big chunk out of them emotionally, and I think you know you know Dustin Pedroia was uh, among others was very open about that when they traded Euclid. And you know I, I think that that uh, the intangibles are going to be really hard for them to to make up and really hard for them to, to come up with in other areas. So you know he, he's kind of like. Euclid is kind of like the heart and soul of that team to a large degree. So, you know, when you lose that, it, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of hard to go forward. But, you know, they're going to have to figure out, you know, the kind of moves they're going to have to make to go forward, to, you know, to really progress and, and, and move, move on because now they have no choice. They have to. But, yeah, I, I think losing Euclid really, really hurt them in a lot of ways. I totally agree. And, uh, Barry, we're down under two minutes here, but uh... – we did also have some hockey news this week uh, with the Rangers, your Rangers, signing maybe the biggest name free agent uh, going back into really last year, and that, of course, is Rick Nash. Uh, what's the mood in New York for that? Well, I mean, I, I, I think Rangers fans are, are excited. I mean, you know, the Rangers over the years, uh, I've kind of had a reputation of going out and getting guys on the kind of tail end of their careers and paying too much for them. I mean, granted, he's going to cost them a lot of money, but uh, Glenn Sather said with what they gave up was pretty much a wash, and they really didn't give up that much to get him. Uh, you know, their top guys that they wanted to keep, you know, the Michael Delzado, the younger prospects, the Michael Delzados, the Derek Stepans, the Chris Friders, um, those are all guys the, the Blue Jackets had wanted in initial trade talks, and the Rangers kind of held firm, and they wound up not giving up any of those uh, any of those guys. Uh, they wound up giving up Brandon Dubinsky and Artie Amit and Isimov and a draft pick, uh, and Tim Erickson as well. But uh, you know, he's twenty. Uh, Rick Nash is twenty eight years old. He can score goals, um, which is you know, which was a sorely lacking from the Rangers, as we saw last year in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, you're losing to the Devils, and uh, yeah, I, I think he's going to help them. And I think they didn't give up a whole lot to get them. You know, the money is what it is, but, uh, you know, let's, let, let's see what he can do. Let's see what he can do in New York, and he's never really had the opportunity to play on the big stage. But, you know, you're coming to a team that, that has a lot of guys like that. And, you know, let, let's see, uh, you know, and also let's see how he reacts uh, playing for John Tortorella, who preaches defense first. And I don't think Rick Nash is a guy who's, you know, blocked a lot of shots in his career. So, uh, and, you know, in New York, if you don't block shots, you're not going to play. So, you know, we'll see how that pans out, but, yeah, I think it's something for Rangers fans to be excited about. Absolutely. Well, it will be fun to watch. And, Barry, I just want to thank you, as always, for joining the show today and giving us your insights. And uh, finally, my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing is the Olympics, starting with the opening ceremonies tonight. And I want to give a quick shout-out to Ali Raisman, named the women's gymnastics captain. And she is from Needham, Massachusetts about 10 minutes from where I'm standing as we speak. So as always, thank you for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.